Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to our 945 service on this, the 16th Sunday after Pentecost. Welcome to those of you in the room, many more we know who are joining us online. It's good to worship God together in this way. And for those of you in the room, I should point out uh, last Sunday we had no air conditioning, and so they've doubled up today to make up for it, I guess. We're working on it, anyhow. Uh, my name's James Howell. I'm one of the pastors here. As I look around, by the way, a lot of you are visiting with us. Some are here for our special occasion, but others, you're just visiting. We're honored that you have come. Uh, there's an attendance pad on each pew. We hope you'll pass it and sign it, and especially if you're visiting, leave us some contact information. We'd love to reach out to you and begin the process uh, of befriending one another. That would be a great thing. So again, I'm James. I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Taylor Pride Barefoot. Good morning. It's so good to be with you all. This is such an exciting time of year as we celebrate third grade Bibles, but there's also a lot of other things happening in the life of the church as we kick off the fall. Uh, one thing we want to bring to your attention is the start of Mindfulness Mondays, which is a fall series, and uh, there will be a guest speaker, and that's Mondays at 11 a.m., and we encourage you to join us for that. There's also a small group, Sunday schools. There are so many ways for you to get connected and to grow in the life of this church. Um, so we are so grateful that today is a day that we get to grow in our love of God together as we worship.
Let us continue to join our voices as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, which is found in your hymnal on page 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Join me now as we confess our sins in the safety of community together. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. Church, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. One of the things that I love so much about our church, our church family, is that we do this. Every year we give Bibles to our third graders. It's not just a rote thing. It's a joyful celebration. Kids are excited, right? (laughs) Thank you. Parents are excited, right? Everybody's excited. It's a wonderful thing. And uh, it's such a joy. Uh, How good of God to give us a book. We've got some reading material, and when we read that, we can learn about God. We can learn about the truth about ourselves. We learn the truth about what's going on in the world and where history is headed. It's just such a wonderful, wonderful gift. Uh, We're all grateful. When we see the children receive these, it's really, it's really, it's a notice to all of us. Like, we got this book. You know, let's read it. Let's enjoy it. Uh, Let's delight in it. So, 
Uh, we step today, uh, you children coming to get these Bibles, into 2,000 years of people reading and trying to enact those words in their lives. So children, let me invite you to uh, come forward. Grace and James Clare, this word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Anna Grace Stevenson, this is the word of God for you, a child of God. Elizabeth Kate Holland, this word will be a lamp for your feet and a light unto your path. Blair Elena Cannon, this is the word of God for you, a child of God. Carson Nicole Kloss, this is the word of God for you, a child of God. Isabel Delaney, this is the word of God. It will be a lamp unto your feet and a light for your path. Charlotte Elizabeth Buckfelder, this is the word of God for you, a child of God. Judson Andrew Hambacher, this is the word of God for you, a child of God. John Barton Reeves, this word will be for you a lamp unto your feet and a light for your path. James Robert Allen, this is the word of God for you, a child of God. Penelope Marie Noyne, this is the word of God for you, a child of God. Evelyn Garner Lilly, this word will be for you a lamp for your feet and a light to your path. Vivian Walker Schaff, this is the word of God for you, a child of God. Kennedy Grace Nelson, this is the word of God for you, a child of God. Caroline Virginia Smith, this word will be for you a lamp to your feet and a light for your path. Amelia Alexander Hawkins, this is the word of God for you, a child of God. Margaret Blair Crozier, this word will be a lamp for your feet and a light to your path. Caroline Elizabeth Wysong, this will be the word that will be a lamp for your feet and a light to your path. Wesley Parker Matthews, this is the word of God for you, a child of God. Cooper Thomas White, this is the word of God for you, a child of God. Clara Helen Seberg, this is for you, the word of God, a lamp for your feet and a light unto your path. Louise Weatherspoon Schwedo, this is the word of God for you, a child of God. Now, children, stand and uh, face the people. <coughs> Parents, be ready. Parents, in Christian love, you brought these children to be baptized. You accepted the privilege and the responsibility to bring them up in the faith by your teaching and example as they learn to give reverent attendance upon the private, family, and public worship of God. Will you renew your commitments to these children to guide them, converse in your home about the things of God, and grow together in discipleship? If so, say, we will. Parents always do worse than the children. I don't know. It's a thing. All right, children.
Children receive this Bible, learn its stories, ponder its words. This book shows us the heart of God and how to be God's church, for we are the people of God. And now what's joined together in what's printed on your Bible, we receive these Bibles with our hands. You are just so very welcome. Uh, church family, you'll find uh, in the bulletin words for you, let us join together. We rejoice in this step in your journey with God. We pray God will guide you, your family, and us as you use this Holy Bible in your home, in your church school classes, and in our worship. We will learn together and grow in our love for the scriptures. Friends, let us bow our heads and pray. Gracious God, we are so grateful uh, that you have gifted us with words so that we might know you, your heart, your love, your compassion, your vision for humanity. Make us good students of your word. Make these children great students of your word throughout their lives so that we may, in all that we do, glorify you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, join me in congratulating these children. Testament reading is Exodus chapter 14, beginning with the 21st verse. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. The waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them. All of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down on the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into a panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you for that, uh, Caroline. I can't think of uh, any sound uh, more lovely than the sound of a child uh, reading from Scripture. Uh, thank you. Uh, I, I've got to be honest, I'm standing looking out um, 
I have to name, there's a uh, pastor who's visiting with us today. He's a missionary. He's one of my former students from Duke Divinity School. And it occurs to me that he does a uh, spot-on uh, imitation of me preaching. <laughs> that people say is just remarkable. I'm not going to call on him to do that, but it's all harrowing to see you here, Dan. Um, so the story, the parting of the waters, the Israelites, they're, they're trapped, they're trying to get out of Egypt, but they're afraid, Pharaoh's coming, God parts the waters, and they make their way to freedom, parting of the waters. It's really the epicenter of the Bible uh, for Jewish people. I mean, it's the ultimate story. It's like a close second for us, right? It's uh, such a big deal. It's what Jesus celebrated at the Last Supper. Jesus didn't have the Last Supper to have the Last Supper. It was the Passover. And Jesus was celebrating that, that march to freedom for the Israelites. It was a great thing. Benjamin Franklin uh, wanted the parting of the waters uh, by Moses to be on the, the national seal of the United States. Didn't make it. Taylor Branch wrote a uh, Pulitzer Prize winning account of the Civil Rights Movement and entitled it Parting the Waters. Uh, I posted to Facebook today uh, a, a little short little video of a coffee mug that my children gave me years ago. Uh, on the mug, uh, before you pour the coffee in, it's got uh, Moses and the sea. But then as you pour the hot coffee in, uh, the image changes and the waters part and there are people walking across. It's in my coffee mug. <laughs> so cool. It's better than the other coffee mug they gave me, which has Vincent Van Gogh. And you pour the coffee in and he loses his ear. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> harrowing in the morning. Freedom from bondage. Uh, God sets the people free. We Americans get confused about freedom, don't we? We talk a lot about freedom, but we think it, mean, think it means I'm free, I can do whatever I want to do. The Israelites never thought of it this way. They thought God set them free. They were delighted about that. God set them free, what, for God. God took them to Mount Sinai where God showed them like how to love, how to live, how to please God, how to make a difference in the world, how to love one another is a beautiful thing, freedom. It's a life of commitment. It's for God. And there's so much joy in that. I read something this week. Um, there was this uh, diarist named Samuel Pepys back in the 17th century, the kind of person that gets mentioned in a literature class. You never think about him again. <laughs> he wrote uh, in uh, one of his diaries, about, he decided he wanted to see uh, what, what Jewish life was like. And there was a synagogue there in London, and so he went to visit the synagogue. He was expecting kind of serious study of the scriptures and when he came in they were dancing and hooting and hollering and laughing and they were holding the torah scrolls up high it was just such a celebration he said wow i've misunderstood these jewish people they're a lot of fun turned out he had walked in on a festival day called simchat torah and it's the day of each year when jews celebrate the joy of the law the delight that god has given us a book that god has given us words so much joy, so much delight. It's hard for us to think about the joy and delight in having just a, a book, right, a book. I think of Abraham Lincoln, among many other people. <laughs> Lincoln grew up in an illiterate household, but he fell in love with books, and he would find any book that he could, and he would read into the wee hours of the morning by candlelight puzzling his parents. I think about people in the world who over the years have had to smuggle Bibles, like it's illegal to have a Bible, but they smuggle at risk of life. And well, it's a beautiful thing. And then our third graders, you heard them, they're excited about getting 
these books, these Bibles. It's a tough book. It's a long book. It's a complicated book, uh, although sometimes, like I think the Bible's hard to understand, but I do remember years ago, a uh, lawyer in our church family came to me, and he said, uh, Dr. Howell, my problem is I, I just cannot understand the Bible. I've tried. I just can't understand it. I said to him, dude, you're a lawyer, right? You're the guys that devise documents that nobody else can understand, so you have to hire another lawyer to explain it to you. And you can't understand the Bible. My grandparents, they never got past the 10th grade. They read the Bible every day, and it was the centerpiece of their lives. It's a great book. It's a complicated book, but there's so much in it that's amazing. Creation. <laughs> God made everything, and there's so much beauty and wonder and fruitfulness in the world for, that we can take such delight in. People take photos of, you know, a sunrise or a sunset and say, oh, God's handiwork. It's all God's handiwork, the unphotogenic places, little bugs and things. God, God's amazing, profligate, and making so much. More of them is really necessary. God made people. And, and wonderful. God made us as wonderful people in the image of God. We've messed things up royally. The Bible tells that story. But you know, God doesn't, you know, lash out and, you know, I'm done with them. I'll just, you know, keep the, the cockroaches and giraffes. The, they do my bidding more. No, God keeps us around, and God still loves us. We're still in the image of God, even though we make a mess of things. Uh, there are families in the Bible, and a lot of them are really dysfunctional. And that says, if you're from a dysfunctional family, like there's room for you in this. You don't have to be Ozzie and Harriet. They actually were dysfunctional. <laughs> we learned later. <clears throat> there are all these laws in the Bible, and you know, what that tells us is that God's interested in what you do all the time. What do you do with your pots and pans, and you know where your ox goes, and how you treat your neighbor, and how you settle lawsuits, and all these things. How good of God to care about such things. There's warfare in the Bible. There's warfare in our world, and the Bible takes it into account and keeps its arms around, says even terrible things like that. The stories of children in the Bible, Samuel, he's just a little boy. He's about the age of these children, and God calls Samuel to do something amazing. I mean, I wonder if God is calling one of these children today to do something amazing for God. That's what the God of the Bible is like. David, David's interesting. When David's a boy, he's at his most faithful, his most courageous for God. He grows up and <laughs> he makes a mess out of so many things. Then he has struggles with his own children. That happens in the Bible a lot. People have struggles with their children. If you're a parent and you have struggles with your children, like that's in this book too. <laughs> keeps his arms around you. The, 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 yeah, the book of Job, God, Job cries out to God. There's, there's evil, there's suffering in the world. God, how, if you feel that way, that's in the Bible. The Psalms, great songs of praise, teaching us how to praise God, give thanks to God. There's, uh, gosh, in the Bible, there's uh, romantic love poetry, the book, the Song of Solomon. I've told a few of you this before. I love it when it's, you know, Valentine's Day or anniversary and, you know, I'm hoping for a romantic mood, so I, I pull out my Bible and I read to Lisa from the Song of Solomon, things like, your hair is like a flock of goats on the mountain of Gilead. <laughs> your teeth are like shorn sheep come up from the washing. So romantic. It's amazing. 
Uh, in the Bible, we have prophets, and what that's about is that, is that God realizes there are powerful people in the world, and some of them are politicians, and some of them are the religious leaders, that, and, and God's worried about too much power because we make a mess of that, so God calls prophets to hold them to account. How good of God to do that? Nobody's above the law. The story of Jesus, God entering into his mother's womb and being born as an infant because God wanted us to, to know him and love him and know God's heart and be tender and loving. That's all you can do with the child. And Jesus grew up and he, he touched all the people nobody wanted him to touch, but he didn't care. He loved everybody and they finally killed him for it, but he didn't stay dead. God raised him from the grave so that we could have a church and so that we could have hope for eternal life ourselves. It's an amazing book, an amazing book. I'm reading a book, by the way. I don't really have time to explain it to you yet. I haven't finished it by a guy named Christopher Watkins. Kind of the most significant book, I think, of Bible scholarship to come out maybe in a decade. And he uses this phrase early on. He says, the Bible out-narrates all other narratives. Like I like that phrase. The Bible out-narrates all of, there are all these other narratives, you know, like your political ideology. That's a narrative about, you know, what makes sense in the world and what we should be doing. Uh, there are all kinds of narratives. It's just the Bible out-narrates all of them. It keeps, it doesn't say, you're wrong, we're going to condemn you. The Bible keeps its arms around everybody and listens to them and their concerns and can show them, you know, where they've gone astray, but then also what's good in it. Think, things like good and evil like, you know, we tend to think there are good nations and bad nations. There are good people and there are evil people. And the Bible says, no, there's a fault line between good and evil, but it runs right through the heart of every one of us. Every one of us. How helpful is that, right? Because then we know how to love and be merciful, maybe get along a little better. I'll talk more about him later on. Elie Wiesel uh, was reflecting on this story of the parting of the waters, and uh, he says, uh, he asked the question, who was the first of the Israelites to step into the water? Like, you tend to think, like, Moses, he wasn't the one, right? He's holding the staff up to part the waters. I think I always thought of it as, like, Moses parted the waters, and people looked, and like, whoa, it's safe now, and they took off. <laughs> but Elie Wiesel says that the rabbis taught that God didn't actually part the water until people began to step into the water, and only then did God part the water. That's kind of cool. So who was the first person to step in? And he was one guy named Nachshon, the son of Amenadav. Some of you are parents here, if you still might have a child or two, these are some names that you might consider. <clears throat> Nachshon, I'd love to baptize a little Amenadav one day. Uh, what Vizel is saying is, 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 is God, when God looks at the Israelites, God, God wants them, like, you've got to have some courage. You've got to have some faith. Like, you've got to step into the water. You can't be absolutely sure how it's going to go, but if you have some courage, if you have some faith, if you step in, then I will deliver you. I mean, I think about Bibles. I mean, it's such an underread book, and don't avert your gaze from me when I say that. I mean, I know how this goes, but what God wants us to do is just you know, dip, dip your foot in, like have some courage. Maybe Nashon was scared the Philistines were coming. Maybe you're afraid that you'll just have a two-bit life and it'll never mean all that much to you. Put your foot in the water. Become a reader, become a student. What those Israelites do is they walk to freedom. They walk to freedom. I tried this week to think about walks to freedom. 
Uh, Nelson Mandela called his autobiography The Long Walk to Freedom. That was a long walk to freedom for him, wasn't it, right? He lived in apartheid South Africa. He was uh, in jail on Robben Island for decades, but then one day they let him out and he walked to freedom. Him the head of South Africa, long walk to freedom. I think about uh, those folks walking across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. So much courage, right? They knew they, they'd get beaten on the other side, but yet they walked across that bridge. It was a long walk to freedom. Uh, we have a couple people here this morning who are going to walk the Camino. If you've heard about this uh, spiritual walk uh, in Spain, Portugal, Spain. France for some people, and uh, it's a spiritual walk. It's a long walk trying to discover new freedoms in the soul. Jews on Sabbath, on Sabbath, they don't drive their cars. They only go where it's in walking distance. That's kind of cool, right? If you can only go walking distance, like, you, know, you can't drive too many places, and maybe you meet your neighbors and so on. It's a walk to freedom. I've seen people, uh, maybe you've done it, walk out of the hospital, like, you thought you weren't going to make it, but then you walk out of the hospital. Some of the cancer people, when they leave, they ring bells and so on. Not everybody gets to do that. I think about my mother. I don't know why this was on my mind this week. Uh, the last time my mother and I did any walking, she was very frail in the last weeks of her life, and um, she wanted to go to the Rose Hill Cemetery in York, South Carolina, to visit her parents. So I took her there, and we parked right by where her parents reside, and uh, she got out. She was so frail, she almost couldn't stand up, but that wasn't the point. She, she knelt on her mama's grave and began to talk to her mama. Just watched her doing that. Then she, she lay flat down on her mama's grave and kept talking to her. Her mama died in 1952, like 60-something years later talking to her mama. And then not long after that, Lisa and I took my mama to that same grave to be buried with her mama. And my mother at that point was beginning her long walk into the freedom of eternity. It's a sad thing, but it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Uh, I walked into college, and then after college, you walk across the stage, and they give you a degree. It, it, it's about freedom, right? Joining the, the freedom of, of educated people trying to make a difference in the world. People walk down aisles like this one, Lisa and I did here, to commit themselves to one another. It's not an infringement of freedom. It's discovering the freedom of being committed, of living in that kind of life. But this sometimes it doesn't work out, does it? And I've seen people walk out of an abusive marriage out of those shackles into freedom. It's a beautiful thing. I've seen people walk out of addiction into sobriety. So hard, so hard, but some have been set free. It's a beautiful thing. I've seen people walk out of the closet, tired of being uh, shamed and having to pretend you're somebody that you aren't. I look forward to seeing the families that will walk into the new homes that we're building over at Plato Price Place, people moving out of homelessness or home insecurity into the freedom of home ownership. What a beautiful thing that will be. And I think about 
Ukrainians who have fled their country because of this horrible war, the day will come when they will walk back across that border and back into their homes. Beautiful walk to freedom. I thought this week about uh, the day that I walked into church. I hadn't been a church guy, but I walked into a church because I had some friends who said, you got to come to church, you got to come to church. I ignored them for a long time. I finally just got them off my back. I walked into church. Thank God Almighty <laughs> that I walked into the church. It's just meant everything to me. You walked into church today. It's a walk to freedom. God's setting us free not to do what we want to do, but live a life of purpose and meaning and beauty joy. In the last uh, book in the book is the book of Revelation. It's confusing, crazy images, hard to understand, but what it's about is that uh, God is so good. <laughs> How good is God? God is so good that God made everything, and we've made a horrible mess of so much of it, but God's not done. God's going to redeem all of it. God's going to take all of creation, no matter how much we damage it. God's going to take all of creation, all of God's creatures, all of us in the image of God, and God's going to bring redemption to that, and it will be a day of joy and life and peace and wonder and no more sorrow, no more tears. We'll be reunited with our, our mamas, our people that we have loved and lost. And it will be a day of such beauty. It will be the day of, of total freedom. Total freedom. Christ comes to set us free, my friends. It's the book that shows us the way, what it looks like. Thanks be to God. Let us be in an attitude of prayer. O oh, holy God, this week we remember all those who lost their lives in the flood in Libya and the earthquake in Morocco and in the war in Ukraine. Bless those who have survived Heal their memories of the trauma and devastation that they've witnessed. We pray today for the many who grieve the loss of family and friends. Bring them consolation and comfort and surround them with our prayers for strength and courage. We especially ask for your blessing upon those who lost their homes, their livelihood, their security, and perhaps even their hope. May they have the courage to face the long road of rebuilding ahead. Lord, in your mercy, hear. Christ, our example and Savior, make our community one that lives out your grace and mercy. Today, we pray for those among us and around us who are struggling to live wisely and well, who seek a way of integrity for the future. We especially pray for those who are confronting addictions, trying to change old habits that are harmful to health. Give them patience, persistence, and may they find the support that they need. 
God of changed hearts. We also pray for those who want to end violence and anger in their lives. Give them courage and wisdom to walk a new way. Renew us and thus our future as well. Lord, in your mercy, we pray today for those who are seeking new work, learning new skills, or changing employment. Open new opportunities for them to grow and to learn. We pray for all who seek new ways to live out faith in this church and in this community. Help each of us communicate God's love in fresh ways so that others may catch the vision of your love for all people. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of compassion, we pray in silence for all those we carry in our hearts and for whom the week ahead will hold deep challenges and who need your support and ours to face the days ahead. We remember all those who grieve this day and especially we lift up the family of Michelle knowing in their time of loss and grief. Lord, in your mercy, spirit of transforming power work in us and in all for whom we pray as we remember the words jesus taught us saying together our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It is your generous tithes and offerings that make third grade Bibles possible to give out. You bought those for these children and on behalf of them and for all the great work that your tithes and offerings do in the children's ministry, we give you thanks.
O Lord, bless our gifts so they touch lives in need and become roots of justice in the world. For the sake of Jesus Christ, who sends us out in love and in whose name we pray, amen. Brian Childers, thank you for uh, filling in on keyboards uh, in place of Evan Curry this day. Choir, thank you for singing my favorite anthem. It's to be sung at my funeral, but let's just hold off uh, <laughs> a while on that. Friends, it's been good to be together in the house of God. And now may the grace of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore.